Turn with me in your Bibles um, to a psalm, uh, number 16. Psalm number 16. And hopefully you've received one of those little cards. I, I had a little card. Hold up your cards if you've got them. Let me see. Yeah, you have, yeah. I had a little card, but it got lost in my inventory somewhere. I had a lot of stuff to gather in. <laughs> so you've, you've got your card. We're going to look at our theme verse for 2021, which is on your card. It's in Psalm 16. It's verse number 8. And uh, I want to say I hope you're feeling sheltered uh, in your cars this morning. I hope it's uh, nice and warm. And uh, when, you, when we normally speak of someone uh, living a sheltered life, it's not usually a positive thing. We're not thinking positively because if you're if you're in high school uh, and someone's sheltered, you're you're meaning that they're that they're green, uh, they're they're someone who who isn't allowed out much by their parents or or who has never tried the things that the parents don't know about. They're sheltered. Someone firmly kept away from the big bad world. If you're older than that, and you might be speaking of someone who, who, who you're looking back on and thinking, well, you know, they've, they've never had to battle through much in life, maybe with a, with a difficult circumstance, with a difficult child, with, with, with maybe their parents are, 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 are ready to, 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 to bail them out with any financial need that they have because they're, they're sheltered. You might be thinking like that if you use that term. Someone who never had, has had to, to struggle or to dig deep themselves because they're sheltered. He leads a sheltered life. She leads a sheltered life. It's usually negative. But it's also in some way related to parenting style, isn't it? Never letting the teenagers become too worldly influenced or even never letting the adults become too independent. Sheltered. Psalm 16 is all about shelter. But it's actually in a positive way. A really positive way. It's about parenting style as well. From a heavenly father. Let's read it. I'm going to read it in the NIV. Um, the verse that I've given you is in the NIV. I'm going to read Psalm 16 in the NIV. But it's, it's, it's similar, of course, if you've got the ESV. But let me read it. Psalm 16, verse 1. A miktam of David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at, my, at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It says in that title, it's a miktam of David. And we aren't quite sure what a miktam is, but we've, been, we've assumed that it's, it's either a musical or a literary term. These titles at the beginning of Psalms are, are actually part of the original canon. They're part of scripture. 
verses and, and chapter numbers aren't, of course, and, and, uh, which is nice uh, when we read Unfolding Grace. I, I don't know if you, if you like that or not, but I do, just to read on and keep reading. Verse 1 says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. It's about shelter, isn't it? God the Father provides refuge. And, and the desire to be safe, that, that's a desire that, that's inbuilt into each and every one of us from, from very early on. Uh, it's the thing that makes a, a baby blink when you put your finger up towards his or her eye. The very thing that has, has put many people on tent, tenterhooks this, um, this past year. Uh, safety. The thing that makes people write, stay safe at the end of text messages these days. Verse 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It's good to be reminded of the priorities at the start of this year. The first one is the God priority. The God priority. And David is making this statement to the Lord and, and, and to the Lord God Almighty. That's why it's got four capital letters. The God of the covenant. Israel's God. And to the Lord, four capital letters, he says, you are my Lord. One capital letter and three small letters. You are my Lord. That's a commitment. That's a reminder, isn't it, of who God is. He's the boss. Lords are in charge. The House of Lords is where legislation has to pass through before it becomes law. Because they're in charge. To say that Jesus Christ is Lord is not, is not just to say that, that I trusted him when I was younger, that I go to church now and that I, that I have life after this sorted out. No, it means more. It means more, much more. It means God is in charge of my life. It means that God means everything to me. When it comes to faith, it's like when they hang up a sign in a restaurant under new management. David says to God, apart from you, I have no good thing. That's like saying, I realize that all the good things that I enjoy every day are from God. They're blessings from God. They're blessings from heaven. It's the God priority. For our faith is vital, is a vital part of who we are. In the New Testament sense, we don't just know Jesus. No, it goes way further than that. We know he's far more to us than that. Think about what Paul was on about in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What on earth is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? It's certainly more than just knowing him, isn't it? We're not just a, taking a passing interest. No, it says surpassing worth because it's much more than that. We, we know and appreciate much more. We want much more. We must ask him to change our desire to know much more. That's the God priority. But here also we have the believer's priority. Not only do we love God as Christians, not only are we thoroughly devoted to him and, and perhaps need to ask him to help us to be even more devoted, but we're also thoroughly devoted to our fellow believers. That's what we read in verse 3. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. When it comes to shelter, David knows that his need for God, but, but he also knows his need for God's people too. You say, are you sure they're the holy ones that verse 3 is about? You say, I wouldn't call them holy ones. The ESV translates verse 3 like this. 
As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Sometimes holy ones in the Bible refers to angels, but that's not the case here because these holy ones are in the land. These saints are our fellow believers and we're to shelter in them too. We're to find our delight there too. Uh, we're, we're to find our delight here in gathering with them. Oh, we're so grieved not to be face to face today in closer proximity. Socially distanced, yes, but closer proximity. But this is a good alternative. And so we're glad to meet each other together. And the warmth of the car heater is, is just growing in its importance, isn't it? But does anyone really have such warmth with their fellow believers? I mean, who gets on with their church family in such a way that they can say, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight? I mean, to find such endless joy sounds like a, like a Jane Austen novel or something, or, or something happily ever after from Disney. Does it, does, does it sound a little far-fetched to you, does it? But the Bible, the Bible is realistic because it's not hard to find conflict in the local church in the New Testament. Remember? <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of falling out and disagreements and scandal and the like in, in Paul's letters to, to those believers in Corinth and Philippi and, and others. Dale Ralph Davis is a commentator. He writes on the Psalms really well and he writes this about this passage. And it's true that the, folks, that the folks who sometimes infuriate, aggravate and frustrate you the most are fellow believers. But it's a bit like one's own children. They often have teeth missing, runny noses and dead toads in their pockets. Yet one wouldn't trade them for anything because of whose they are. Good to realise that you might have a dead toad in your pocket, isn't it? You might not just be everyone's cup of tea, but you're still family. God the Father is our Father, and He still loves us, and we are family. And we love God in Christ, and so we're committed, and we delight in these people. We shelter in Christ, and we shelter in, in, numbers, in, in numbers in our church family. We need each other. What goes on here is essential. Essential to worship our great God and essential for our well-being. That's the context of our theme verse, which we're getting to now. The God priority and the believer's priority. But what about the verse that's going to have pride of place on our fridge later or in our Bibles as a bookmark this year? Which says, verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I want to say briefly three things about this verse, which um, I'm quite sure you can see is very relevant for us this, this, um, as we look out um, from January on the rest of 2021. The first one is rev resolution. resolution. I wonder, has the New Year's resolution went the way of the New Year's Eve party, new gym membership, and much of the stock in Marks and Spencer's shelves? Missing this January. I mean, what can you plan in the most fluid January of your lifetime? What can you commit to when there has been more change plans than hot dinners? Well, I want to say to you that you can commit to this. You can commit to this. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. This is something David resolves to do. I will do this. That's 
you notice that? That's what he's saying. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. And there are things we could do, habits, disciplines you could call them. Although people don't like the sound of that these days. It sounds too hard. But there's something we need to resolve to do here in 2021. To keep our eyes always on the Lord. Peter, of course, was going great guns when he stepped out of the boats onto the troubled water of the Sea of Galilee. He was fine. He was, he was living the dream until he took his eyes off the Lord, until he took his eyes off Jesus. The ESV translates verse 8 in Psalm 16 as, I have set the Lord always before me. I prefer the NIV as a translation, but I mean, each to their own, right? But it's, it's, it's a good translation in the ESV as well. It has value. It's to say that we think about God all the time. That's what it means. I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord who, who made you. The Lord who sustains you. The Lord who gives you that breath you just took. You think about him. Verse 1 says, apart from you I have no good thing. Think back to then. There's a, a man called Charles Hodge who's a famous Bible teacher from the 19th century. And he said this about his childhood. And there are boys and girls listening today. Think about this, boys and girls. As far back as I can remember, I had the habit of thanking God for everything I received. And asking him for everything I wanted. If I lost a book or any of my playthings, I prayed that I might find it. I prayed walking along the streets in school or out of school, whether playing or studying. I did not do this in obedience to any prescribed rule. It seemed natural to me. I thought of God as an everywhere present being, full of kindness and love, who would not be offended if children talked to him. And that's exactly right. For our Father takes good care of us. No matter how long in the tooth you are, our Father takes good care of us. So when the children sleep all night, we say, thank you, Lord. We don't say, thank you, Cal Paul. When we miss the, uh, hitting the car, when we slide down in the ice, we don't say, uh, we don't thank our lucky stars. No, we, thank you. we say, thank you, Jesus. When the weather means that it's, it's brighter today and we can get outdoors, we don't thank Barra Best with his tight-fitting suit. We thank you. We say, thank you, Lord. Because it's the Lord who sends the sun in the clear sky. When the aches and pains are less, we don't thank Glaxo Smithkline. No, we say, thank you, Father. When someone's kind to us, kind or neighborly, we don't say, oh yeah, I deserve that. Or even thank them. We do thank them. But ultimately we thank God. Who's our gracious father. Who caused it to be. <laughs> we do it. Of course we don't have to gather up all the thank yous. And, and wait till we pray before bed. We can do it there and then. Uh, just a quick thank you. For our eyes are always on the Lord. Right. For he is always before us. We're, we're always looking his direction. We were thinking about how we needed to think heavenward last Sunday morning. As we started 2021 together. And this Sunday we're looking heavenward. And it's great because you can. Look heavenward. Amazing. And when God decides in his perfect plan and ways to disappoint us. To give us a, a trial or, or to, 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 to toughen us. To give us muscle in that area. We accept it as from the Lord. Because he wastes no experience. Did you hear that? He wastes no experience. 
Not one. The temptation to complain is very strong. I, I feel it too. I can assure you. But we resolve to not complain. Only to explain to our Heavenly Father that this is difficult, really hard, and to cry out to Him and ask for His mercy on us. Even to cry out to Him in the difficulty. But He wastes no experience in working in us. Paul could say in, in Acts chapter 17 that in Him we live and breathe and have our being. That's the idea here in our verse. Perhaps this year you need to resolve to set God before your eyes more and the mobile phone less. I don't know. Of course, you could be delighting in another saint on video messenger. You could be connecting online because you can't meet in person. You could be reading something that's going to uplift and be good for your soul. But you'll know what's worthwhile and what's just a waste of life. Live with God with the God priority. Thank him more. Think of him more. Keep your eyes on him. We want to draw near to him. We set ourselves to do that. Think about Psalm 37 verse 4. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? The end of the trouble? Maybe. But not certainly. <laughs> the, the pandemic? Maybe. But not certainly. The building up of you in Christ? Certainly. The growth of his church, because the gates of hell will not prevail against it, certainly. The gospel, certainly. The glorifying of God's name, certainly. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. When you're driving, you keep your eyes always on the road, don't you? So as a Christian, you need to keep your eyes always on the Lord. That's resolution. Secondly, nearness. God is near to us. That's what David says. With him at my right hand. Near. Okay. Right hand. Really close. We are to set our eyes on him. That's in a sense our part. Right. We look towards him. Our resolve. But here's God's part. And it's drawing near. He's at our right hand. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain of any size. Uh, you'll know that there is always danger when you that you could slip and fall. There's danger that you could fall badly and need airlifted. I've seen people airlifted from a mountain that I've been on. And yet there are still people who love this as a hobby, to climb mountains and, and take the risk of, uh, of your limbs and ankles not making it home the same way you left. But life goes on despite the risks. Mountain climbing is part of life. And it's part of the Christian life. When we're on top, we often forget the journey that, that, that took us there. But on the way, you know all about it. It's hard and steep and rocky at times. January is going to be a bit of a climb, I'm sure you realized. But we have help. Lots of help. A God who is there. A God who is at our right hand, who's close and our, um, one who, who's there to guard our steps. One who reaches out to the sinking Peter because he's that close to him, isn't he? To grab him by the hand. A big brother who walks with you. A rescuer who will not leave you to it. A saviour who will not just see you through today, but every day. Until, until you cross over Jordan. And he knows what, when that day will be. And you won't cross over Jordan a day before it's time. You make known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy in your presence, it says in verse 11. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. 
That's, that's the future. He's going to get you there. Okay? Compare yourself with me for a moment with someone without Christ living in these days. Let's think about that. Hoping against hope for normal. Uh, hoping to avoid the grave. Scared of being alone at the last. Not really confident of anything when it comes to life after the grave. Scared and hopeless and fearful. Putting on a brave face. But deep down in all sorts of trouble. As Christians our journey is not easy. We're not saying that for a moment. Think about, think about the journey of, of Christian on, in Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. But he goes through plenty of difficulty. He's at the slough of despond. He's low and even depressed there. He's, he arrives with a heavy burden at Wicked Gate. He, he comes to something called Difficulty Hell. And he's faced with a choice. Because there's three paths and they, they sort of join. And, and he, he must choose which one to take. One, one path goes straight up ahead over a steep slope of the hill. Another one goes round the base of the hill to the right. And a third one goes around the, the hill to the left. And, and Christian argues that the one heading straight ahead up Difficulty Hill is the right one. But there are two others with him, formalist and hypocrisy. And they decide to take the easier route around the level paths around the hill. And they both end up lost and perish. Mountains to climb. And valleys, the, the valley of humiliation, Christian faced that in Pilgrim's Progress. And not to mention the valley of the shadow of death. But verse 10 reminds us how far our Saviour saves us. He will not abandon us to the realm of the dead. Whatever the path of life, David can be confident for God is at his right hand. God is at his right hand. He's as close as he can be. He's there all the time. It's not David is just sort of sorted out for the Sabbath and, and the rest of the time he has to become streetwise and, and survive on his own to grow out even of his need for that fatherly care. No, no, that's not the Christian life. No, you're not expected to sort of grow up a bit and, and be okay with, without God, your father. No, no, you need him all the time. You need him at your, this is my right hand, I'll get it right yet. It's, you need him at your right hand all the time. Because then you come under the wings of his, of his love and care and protection and shelter. And Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts he, he arrives. And God is present with us all the time. And you have the Holy Spirit if, you, if you're a Christian. And if you have the Holy Spirit you can make it Christian. The seal of your salvation. The, the contentment. The, the instruction and the encouragement. Look at verse 7. I don't know if you've woken in the night uh, concerned with the latest news or the prospects of the, of the year ahead of you. I can tell you that I have more than once or twice. But verse 7 says that in the night God counsels us. How does he do that? Well, well he uses our heart. Our heart that has been in regular receipt of his word. No doubt, no less. Because as we read the Bible, as we, as we ponder over it, as it enters our mind and our hearts, right, then it's there for us to draw on. In the night, God, God speaks through our heart, it says. That's what, that's what that means. Our heart instructs us in the night. Your word have I hid in my heart, Psalm 119 says. A verse comes to mind. The Holy Spirit moves us to these words. Words that he himself wrote in Scripture to comfort you, to sustain you. 
God does not sleep so David can. And so can you and I. To remind us. To remind us of the hope of Christ. To, to remind us of the nearness of God. Because he's near. Resolve, nearness and finally shelter. This verse is all about shelter. Because the psalm is all about shelter. Verse, James 4 verse 8 says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And this is like David's equivalent. In verse 8. Our theme verse. He approaches God, he thinks of him all the time, his eyes are on him and, and God is there at his right hand and he, he, he's there in all his nearness. And what happens? What happens? What does it say in the verse? He is never shaken. To be shaken, what does that mean? That, that's not to have a, a momentary doubt about your Christian faith. That's not to have a, a, an off day and to have a grumble. No, to be shaken is to be shook to your very being. To your very core. To quake not just in your boots. But to your very core. That's to be shaken. And that will not happen to David. For he's sheltered. He's safe. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's Psalm 91. The first verse of it. The shadow of the Almighty. Now that doesn't mean nothing will happen to you here and now. We're not promising you that, for God's word is not promising that. We know that from experience as well. Plenty of, plenty of Christians we, we can think about have, have lost plenty and, and suffered plenty. Plenty are suffering today in, in prison camps under oppressive regimes where worship is banned. Where there's no freedom of religion. We know this from a man whose biography is called the Shadow of the Almighty. A man called Jim Elliot, who was a Christian. He lived in the 50s, 40s and 50s. He was saved by grace, like you and I. He was indwelt by the Spirit of God, a man who was in the, under the shelter of God. A man who went as a missionary to share the good news of Jesus to Aka Indians in the jungles of Ecuador with his fellow missionaries in 1956. And they killed him in the prime of his life, age 28, he and the others, Nate Saint and Ed McCulley and Pete Fleming and Roger Udurian. Gutsy men, brave, risk-taking men. How can David write in this psalm that he will not be shaken? I mean, how, how can he know, right? How can he know? How can he know what's going to face him in the future? Because he surely hasn't faced every possible thing that could happen to him that's, that's awful, right? How could he be so sure that he, that he wouldn't face cancer if he'd never faced it before, that he wouldn't be shaken? How, how could he know that that wouldn't get him? How could he be so sure that he wouldn't face the death of a spouse and that, that he'd be shaken then, right? How could, he, how could he be so sure that whatever, whatever the new year would throw at him, he wouldn't be shaken? Well, the answer is because the new year wouldn't throw it at him. No, the Sovereign Lord, who is his shelter, would allow it to happen. He would send it even. And in that sending, he would provide all that he needed to walk the path of life in it. That's how he knew. That's how he could say it. For in it, he's protected from the worst of all worlds. I want you to imagine what the worst of all worlds would be. What's the worst of all worlds? It's life without God. It's the worst of all worlds. Hell is the worst of all worlds. For it's existence without the goodness of God. You realize that? 
The good hand of God is with you every day. It's with lots of other people as well who don't even recognize it. But if it's withdrawn and punishment awaits, that's the worst of all worlds. And you've never lived in such a world. And neither have I. But some people are staring it in the face today. And that should shake you. <laughs> 2020 should shake people. January 2021 should shake people. Early on, people who used to think nothing of church began listening in significant numbers online and fear of death was leading people to think about life and beyond the grave. And we trust that will return, not because I want people to be hysterical or for national or for people to be suffering greatly, but because I know that eternal punishment is far worse. There's such a thing as good fear. If you wake from your slumber to smell gas or to hear the smoke alarm, you've got to be feared in that you've got to be afraid in that moment and get up. That's a good fear. But separation from God is never going to be around the corner for you. Because you have him at your right hand, and you always will. So you set your eye on him. And you draw, and he draws near to you at your right hand. He draws near to you at your right hand. You're protected from all harm in any ultimate sense. Assured of life with Christ forever and ever. Assured of life, perfect life with Him hereafter. So in that sense, David can say, "I will not be shaken," because we're sheltered, and so is He. You live a sheltered life, Christian. But it's a good thing. It's a positive. It's a very positive thing. God the Father is with you and always will be. He's with you by his Spirit. He's so very near. Even when there's no one else in the house. And you can be confident. You can have confidence in 2021. You can trust him. For your Father has you and has given you everything in the person of of his Son. You fill me with joy in your presence, says verse 11. That's what he's done. He's given you everything you need. So you do not need to fear. You just need to look to the one that he's given you. Let's pray for a moment as we come to the Lord's Supper.